know what this is peace and blessings it is your boy eli rax aka vibes and welcome to new york revival where it's not just sports it's entertainment and i'm here with my brothers man you guys know who they are man and that's mr glass half full and that's speed if you nasty now let's go let's go out of my face i can't even know i don't know what i'm doing right now here. you know what i mean i'm going crazy <laughs> Shout out to my brother El Jefe, aka White Jersey, aka Blue Jersey, aka Damn It Daniel. And shout out to you, yes, you, the revivalists in the chat. Please hit that thumbs up, see you right there. Share and subscribe. We do appreciate all the support. Thank you guys. We got a special guest in the building, man. We got our staples in the house here. But first, first, let's go around the room, man, because these guys are rock stars. These guys are seeing Jerry Ferrara, Method Man at the game. You get what I'm saying? Shout out to those guys, by the way, friends of the show. But let's go around the room, man. You went to the Knicks game, man. And I'm going to start with you, old Hefe. How was it, man? It was electric. It looked electric. It was a damn good time. This was supposed to be mm. a blowout. And, uh, you know, we were joking. We weren't really joking. We thought the Knicks were going to win by 22. And uh, we thought for sure they were going to cover 11 and a half. <sighs> And then it's so. coming down to the wire. I'm like, oh fuck, we're about to lose to an eight win. Not only are you not going to cover, but yeah, this is yeah, bad. Yeah. But like to win the way they did, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like oh. the the having a moment at the garden and being there for it, like that's why you go there. That's why you take yes. a train. That's why you buy the ticket. And uh we got one of those moments. I don't care who was against. It was fun. Facts. Facts. I mean, listen, every time you step at the MSG. Great time. We uh we went to go have a couple beers at Stout right across the street. Um, you know, we met up with, with Nikki Snacks. You know, we we, we out Snacks. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, we My saw God. Snacks. Uh, Craig, uh, Craig, football fan. Um, man, and then the game itself, we were kind of just like lulled to sleep because they had like a seven point lead all game long, and it was like, all right, they're gonna pull away, they're gonna pull away, and then you blinked in the fourth quarter, and it, pretty Detroit damn took the lead. It took the lead at once, and then. You know, the ending was the ending, probably a foul, but hey, all that shit comes back around, right? Because the Houston game, the Knicks got screwed. Now the Knicks got a call. It all happens throughout the course of a season and it yeah. works itself out. But watching a buzzer beer live, I had to, I was one of those guys that hated that I had the camera, you know, and the big moment. But I got the, the, I'm the so buzzer glad you beer. did. I, I, I got a buzzer that. beer, dude. That was fine. <laughs> so, that was fun. It was dope. It was dope. So we had a good Yo, time. we still have that, you know, posted on our Instagram, man. Guys, it was electric no just being there. Unfortunately, I couldn't go. But just seeing that, man, live and seeing you guys, like, celebrate. It was just awesome, man. But, guys, you know, of course, man, we can't keep this guy waiting, man. We got the we got chips here. We got the guy, the beat reporter, the numero uno in the house, man. I want you guys to give a warm round of applause for Art Stapleton. Round of applause. Round of applause. Round of applause. Round of applause. Brother All right, Art. Let's go. What's Thank up, you so much. <laughs> what's going on, brother? Thank you so much for being here. How was your weekend, man? How's everything? Let's tell the people a little bit what's going on before we break the uh, ice. Here. You know what? It's uh, it's been going. You know, been kind of waiting. You know, after the season, kind of laying low, trying to spend some family time, and you know that combine that that whole week in Indianapolis it always just sits there like a sore thumb on that calendar. And you know, now we're in Indy, and like I've said, there are three phases to the combine for for beat reporters. One, it's the GM press conference, which we had today Two, it's the prospect interviews that start tomorrow. And three, it's about, you know, half hour after I leave you guys tonight, 
to head out and work the lobbies of the hotels and try to bounce into as many front office execs and coaches when they roll back into the hotel and see what kind of crumbs we could pick up. Yeah. As as work, yes. Right. Working, yeah. working the hotel lounge like a lady of the night. I respect, <laughs> I respect it. Nice. And listen, now, you know, speaking of the ladies of the night, man, we're going to throw you right into the fire here because we got a little bit of a nice break. <laughs> nice, here, all right. Nice transition there. This is going to be what a good a, transition, a transition here. But, uh, all right, I got a question for you, man. And it's up to you to answer this. And now you can omit this. But all right. fans come up to you with a $100 million check. Tells you, hey, I got $100 million if you sign this contract. But we're not going to tell you what it is until you sign this contract. You'll get your $100 million once you sign it. You got a hundred million, and then bam, we hit you with the all right. You got to do this. Are you signing that contract, brother Art? Come on, let's people know. Oh man, mm. you know what? I mean, the first thing since you made that transition, you know, <laughs> from the ladies of the night, I don't know if I can sign <laughs> off on that one. Well, I'm a happily married man, you know. I yeah, yeah. Hey, I respect hundred million dollars, though. You know, I, I think I your wife know. might might be okay with. Yeah, you know, my my wife both. might disown me if I don't sign that contract. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I know. It's, it's a terrible <laughs> scenario. It's an absolutely <laughs> terrible place to uh, be. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, we always laugh at my family at night. I'm upstairs and we're watching with my in-laws. We watch the wall. That yeah. uh, you know. Yes. And, I get angry. I think the show is a waste of time now because they always, everybody always signs the contract and right. blow yeah. the millions that are on the wall, and they just want, you know, I want the, you know, the hundred and fifty thousand because you know that's just the game. It's like no, the game's about gambling. But yes, yep, 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 yep. I got, I got to be honest. I, I don't know if I can threaten that. Uh, Okay. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I could sign that contract. My wife's gonna kill me, but hey, I said the same they, thing. them two said the same thing. I, I don't think I, I can. I, I agree. I took but the you money. Know what, though, one thing Hefe said, right? He said, Hey, <laughs> once you had that tough day at work, you go go sign that contract. And let me tell you, Art, <laughs> let me tell you, I had a rough day at work one time. And guess what? He was exactly like, hey, would you it. sign that contract? I said, you know what? Where that, where's that contract at? I said, where is this at? <laughs> my wife told me. She was like, you're stupid. Yeah, you better sign that contract. You better sign that contract. My wife was like, so, I would. You felt so good like about to, it. At the time, we always too. like to remind people that I cover millionaires. I don't make millions. job here. I mean, we grind just as much as you guys grind. So it's tempting. I'd be honest, but. You know, I gotta be honest. I, I can't. I'm I'm uh, I'm a scaredy cat. I, I was the first hey. grader who told told my my grandparents that they shouldn't get on the the roller coaster Space Mountain down in Disney because you know I read that you know if you have a, a back problem you shouldn't be on it. So hey, I wouldn't you're sign. On top of it. Oh, man. All right. You're always looking out. I respect it. Spiro, Shout out to you, Art Man. I like, respect Spiro that. Thank said. you so much, friend, for playing that game. Spiro said he would yeah, do yeah. it. And then uh, we're like, yeah, what about your friends and family? And he's like, I'll just buy new friends and family. What do you mean? Like, just, <laughs> he didn't say that. What's the problem? Out in Montana with my big mansion. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I'll find new friends. All right, <laughs> let's let's get into it. What do you say? Let's get into real stuff this. here. Let's do this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Let's get right into it, man. Let's ask the first question. Art, of course, you are an indie right now. How's the vibes going over there in the combine? Uh, what are the Giants doing? What are some of the players that they're interviewing or they have they interviewed uh, some of the players as of right now? But what is the vibes like? How was it over there? Well, the vibes first, Joe Shane this morning, uh, you know, Joe's usually pretty straight up, as straight up as you can be without revealing all the truth. Uh, I think that's mm -hmm. that's kind of what Joe is at the podium. You know, 
I think the last two general managers before him, you know, Jerry Reese, I covered, he was very defensive and wouldn't give you anything. You asked him the time of day and he said, I'm not wearing a watch. You know, uh, <laughs> Dave Gettleman, if you asked him what the time of day it was, he'd tell you, you know, it's, it's 12 o'clock and actually it'd be four in the afternoon. And he'd say, but I told you it was 12 o'clock. You know, Joe Shane will tell you what time it is, but you know, it's, he's not going to tell you the brand of the watch or, mm -hmm. you know, or what, really what he's thinking about what time it is. So if that's an analogy, you know, I think the vibe here is that, you know, look, the giants are sitting at six. If they don't do anything, arguably the six best players on the draft board are three quarterbacks and three wide receivers. The giants mm -hmm. could probably use an upgrade at quarterback <laughs> and they could probably use a number one wide receiver. So I think, in the grand scheme of things, if they don't do anything and sit at six, I think they end up with one of the top six players on the board. Now, they are interviewing quarterbacks this week. Uh, Jaden Daniels was tonight. Uh, I believe they'll interview, uh, at least I was told they will interview, Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy. At the Senior Bowl last month down in, down in Mobile, they interviewed Bo Nix. They interviewed Michael Penix. Uh, whose medicals this week will be a huge key as far as where he lands on the board, the two knee injuries and the two shoulder injuries. You know, I can't envision the Giants taking Michael Penix and replacing Daniel Jones because <laughs> Daniel is injury prone. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can't use that excuse. So I think the quarterbacks, uh, look, regardless of what Joe says about having faith in Daniel Jones, what else is he going to say? He can't come right. out here and slam yeah. Daniel Jones. He's under contract at least for this year. You know, you guaranteed him $82 million. You know, you look like a buffoon if you go out there and basically say he's not worth the money. You gave it to him. So <laughs> I think that's kind of where the vibe is right now. I think there's a little bit of mystery. If you start throwing in Saquon and, Zay and Xavier McKinney, and I think we'll get to that, obviously. But that's the vibe. I think – you know, the Giants want to turn the page, move on to 2024, but, you know, there are big decisions to be made. I think they came to the combine last year thinking that the decisions that they had to make last year were going to set them up for easier years down the road. And I yeah. think we'll just have really the same decisions a year later, and they're dealing with the ramifications coming off a six-win season. Oh, yeah. All right, real quick, if you, if you don't right, mind. Speed, what you got? Do, do you mind oh, if I jump in real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah get in there. Did something happen where like your mind changed at some point where it seems like many people were, you know, supporting Daniel Jones and, and riding that. And then all of a sudden, like slowly, but surely more and more people are coming around to the idea. Like, all right, if, if not for his performance alone, the injury concerns, and I think either one would be reason enough to take a stab at the most important position. Is there something that happened for you that changed your mind along the way? couple things. One, you know, I, I made this point on, on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And, and um, you know, I, I had some fans saying, well, you can't deal in hypotheticals. The reality is, is that if they had the six win season in Dable and Shane's first year, they probably would have been in position to take one of the quarterbacks last year, whether it was Stroud or Young or Richardson, or maybe they had someone else on their, on their radar. I, I don't know, going into the year. But when they made the playoffs after year one, I think they were kind of, you know, I don't want to say stuck, but their direction was kind of, they were put in a certain direction where they're picking in the 20s. Daniel Jones just won a playoff game. 
you know, they felt like he was trajectory, you know, his trajectory was on the upswing. So they went in as far as they could go. You know, they obviously structured the contract where they weren't a hundred percent sold, but mm -hmm. year two now they're in a position where, you know, like Shane said today, they don't want to be picking in the top 10 every year. They know yeah. the giants have essentially picked in the top 10 every year. <laughs> Yeah. So, but when you're in this position, when the yeah. quarterback yeah. class is what it is, you know, and you don't know what you're going to do next year, you can look at this uh, two ways. You could say, one, let's ride it out and just put the quarterback question off until 2025. But the reality is they go eight and eight this year and Daniel Jones doesn't have a great year. Now you're going into the draft and maybe you're picking 13th in a, Draft that not, not good quarterback class, <laughs> right? He may, you know, and look, exactly. that, is a, exactly. that is the question about the quarterback. And I asked a couple guys that, and I even talked to some people with the Giants about that. And they said, you know, yes, it's a factor to an extent, but you know, look, the year that Joe Burrow became the number one overall pick, no one went into that season saying Joe Burrow yeah. was the best quarterback in the country. So things sure. do happen, but I think that's really that's number one. FA and the other thing is, look, I, I'm scared of Daniel's injuries if I'm the Giants. You know, he had the two neck injuries, which are questionable. We don't really they know more than we do. And you know, coming back from an ACL, what's Daniel's greatest strength? It's running the football. Yeah. And his the element right. of his passing game, knowing that he might not be able to run the ball the way he does, that scares me. And I think mm -hmm. his play dropped off. At times this year, I know there are circumstances involved, the offensive line and Saquon was hurt and all that stuff. But there were things that I, I just I didn't like what I saw from from Daniel, even when he was healthy. So all of that put together, I just think sometimes it's it's wrong place, wrong time, but sometimes it's the right place at the right time. And I think that's where they're at right now. Right. Well, I, I we respect that because listen, we had the no DJ slander shirts out too. So we 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 were riding high uh for, for DJ going into the year, but it, it it comes a point where you have to, you know, see it for what it is and realize the situation, the injury situation, being in the draft, you know. Um, but so let's just talk about mock drafts since we're talking about drafts. You came out with your most recent mock draft, Jaden Daniels at six. Yeah. Now, when you do these mock drafts, are you basing it about Things, whispers that you're hearing through the building? Is it just gut? Is it a little combo of both? How do you do your mocks? It's more a combo of both. I mean, okay. uh, you know, right now, the Giants don't even have their board set. So people who mm -hmm. tell you who they like, who they, you're, you're all projecting. I mean, you may have a conversation with somebody in the organization. You know, you may look at a guy like Drake May and say, boy, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Josh Allen. So maybe mm -hmm. Dable and Shane will fall. You know, he, he's a runner. You know, he's a big physical guy, that kind of thing. Um, here, the first one, you know, I just couldn't believe that Daniels was still on the board. I use those simulators, and sometimes they're a little misleading too because, you are you know, what boards are you going off of? You know, Pro Football right. Network is setting their board. You know, it, it might not be the board that you expect, um, but – you know, he was sitting out there and he was the best quarterback that I thought, you know, I thought was there. So I'll, I'll go with that. I mean, as we move along, if I hear something from people who say, nah, you know, they really didn't like Daniels, what they went with them. You know, I won't go that route. I'll use that information right. for what it is. And, you know, sometimes it's about trying things differently, you know, try to, mm -hmm. try to come up with some differently. Okay. What if I do this here? 
what does the rest of the draft look like? You know, if I take a wide receiver here now, who am I getting in the third round or with one of my second round picks that maybe I didn't think I would be able to get, um, you know, and I took a wide receiver with the second, you know, a pulp from Washington, I think in my, uh, right. in my draft. Well, who would I take in that spot if, you know, I ended up taking a wide receiver at six. So it, right. you know, some of it is, is just kind of playing around and some of it is entertainment um, but I try to be as knowledgeable as possible. I mean, if Caleb Williams is sitting there at six because it was just <laughs> a fluke in the in the mock draft, right. I'll, run it, I'll run it again because I just yeah, don't yeah, yeah, yeah. think Caleb yeah. Williams would. That's unrealistic. That. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, maybe one time I'll pull a trade off and, and try to get up to three because everybody's talking about how that's kind of the spot if someone's going to have to move up for a quarterback. You know, you got to see if the Patriots – uh, we'll do it. And and let's be honest, guys, in two weeks, things will change. I mean, Joe mm-hmm. Shane talked about it today, how the roster will look differently in free agency. Uh, you know, it, it matters. You know, if the Giants go out and give big money or back out, you know, back up, you know, with respect, big money to Gardner Minshew, you know, that's kind of a tell. Right. I mean, yeah. they're probably not going to use the six pick on a quarterback. And if they are. You know, then they're looking at a guy, you know, then they, they don't think that Daniel's going to play at all this year. Um, mm. You know, if the Patriots go out and sign Kirk Cousins, well, then that number three pick is now up for sale, right? I mean, you would imagine that they're they're going to go and sell it to someone who might want to come up for a quarterback. So the mock drafts, I know people criticize and say, ah, we don't like them. We don't like them. You know, look, they're great for traffic. And to be yes. honest, it's it's a business. You know, if I'm getting graded by by traffic on my website, you know, I, I need to be able to uh, to dr- you know dr- draw up some traffic, and people love mock drafts, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. Our good friend, it's funny, you, it's funny you said that, Art. I'm sorry. Let me just say this real quick. Um, you know, Garofolo just said not too long ago, and I'm sure he said playfully that at 79%, the Giants can move up in the draft. I just want to hear so Art's point six. Right, right. I just want to hear the percentage of what you think. <laughs> The uh, Giants will trade up to a number, you know, that top three spot to get their quarterback. What do you think of the chances of that can happen as far as percentage wise? You know, the, the problem with the percentage, and I love Mike. Mike and I are good friends, and I got a lot of respect for him. I mean, that, you know, he he's done, he did things on the on the Giants beat, you know, that you know fans still talk and still try to shame the rest of us on the beat by what Mike did when he was you know you know on the beat. Uh, but he's a good friend mm-hmm. of mine, uh, and I you know I respect him as a, as as really a mentor uh, of sorts. Um, but I don't know if I could say 79% because I just don't know if Washington or I don't think the bears are trading, uh, you know, and if they do, and if that's a shock um, going up all the to number one, I mean, that would have to be, you know, Joe Shane and Brian Dable saying, we think Caleb Williams is the guy um, to make that deal. So I'll put it, let me put it at 65% and say, I think they will fall in love. I think they will fall in love with a quarterback. And I think that we'll have a better idea in two weeks if uh, New England drafts a veteran. Then uh, mm. I think the Giants, you know, look, you can't tell me that the Giants didn't trade Leonard Williams for that second round pick, knowing, you know what, if we can get a number two, second number two. We could have some ammunition at some point in that draft. Yep. You know, what did Joe Shane say last year? It was joking. You know, scared money don't make money. When they joke about trading yeah, back, they ended up getting that. 
uh, you know, get landing uh, Schmitz and then Hyatt with the way they landed them. Um, mm-hmm. They waited on Schmitz and got him. Uh, so I, I'll put it at around 60, 65%, but it's also with that, that idea that, you know, it may be quarterback, 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 and all three of those teams may say, you know what, we ain't moving. We're keeping those guys. True. Very true. Uh, Hef, you got anything else, brother? We got a few. Um, do you have any sense of it's, – it's probably too early because they got to go through a lot of their processes, but, like, what do you think they're looking for or what do you think they could fall in love with? The, like, they've watched all the film at this point. What do you think a quarterback could do in the interview to really blow them away? Obviously – and Madeline was talking about it today too. Like they've got to be able to handle New York and there's truth yeah. to that. It's not a normal market. Right. So what do you, what do you think they're looking for or what would make them fall in love with a quarterback to say, we got to get up to, to two or three and get that guy. You know, it, it's, it's a great question because uh, I, you know, I, I went back last year to the transcript that I had of Shane at the podium at the combine. And, you know, let's remember guys, sometimes GMs, kind of show their hand when they don't anticipate having to draft that position. So Joe was very open last year about what he might look for in a quarterback. And it was the mm-hmm. idea of how the off field has to mirror what they see on tape. And that if that's together uh, with the ability to kind of thrive under pressure, you know, that's what they do and they look for in a quarterback. So I think, you know, the idea that they're going to pick somebody, I think, you know, they've got to have an arm to, to make all the throws, you know, because Dable wants to chuck it. I mean, he wants yep. to spread yep. the ball around. They obviously want to get vertical. I think they didn't get a vertical enough, you know, two years ago, even when they, you know, did well and they made the playoffs, there was that missing component of a vertical game. So I think mm-hmm. they want a quarterback who can do that. They obviously want some running ability. You know, the idea of, you know, being able to run while being durable uh, I think that's a, an aspect that you'd look at and you'd say, you know, you can't predict injury, but injuries are predictive in some sense. Uh, and, and I think it, it comes to how do you command the room? You know, yeah. if you walk in this meeting with these guys and you kind of put them on the spot a little bit, what is your take? And, you know, I think back to the first year when they were here and how you had people in the Giants organization who obviously weren't in the inner circle talking about how, nah, Kayvon Thibodeau is not their kind of guy. When it was the opposite, Joe Shane mm-hmm. loved Kayvon's yeah. attitude, loved the way he handled things, thought he would be good for New York, that he would be able to kind of shrug things off. He was a smart guy. He wasn't necessarily a smart ass. And I think right. that was kind of the difference. And we've seen that from Kayvon now. Kayvon's not a smart ass. Kayvon knows what he wants to say and get his point across. You're not tricking Kayvon into saying things that he's not ready to say or want to say himself. Uh, And I do think that that's part of the analysis, you know, for the quarterback. But the other aspect of this is that Daniel Jones is here for this year. He's here Mm -hmm. for this year. He's guaranteed $41 million. I mean, they guaranteed him 82 for two years. So, There's somebody also who you, you got to know how that quarterback's going to come into this room and, you know, handle that situation. How is he yeah. going to manage in this locker room? There are some guys in this locker room who still love Daniel. You know, I think they'll respect the, you know, look, if, if, 
if somehow they drafted Caleb Williams and he walks in, I mean, I think there are guys in this locker room automatically would respect Caleb Williams' game. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's also part of it. Now, I'm not saying because I could already feel myself getting slammed. That, oh, well, you know, because of Daniel, they won't take the best quarterback. That That's not what I mean. But I do think that organizationally they need to know that to take the temperature of their locker room and know – okay, how does this guy fit in this locker room with the guys I have? So um, I, I think the two guys that stand out to me are Drake May and J.J. McCarthy as far as, mm. you know, it seems to fit, you know, off-platform guys. You know, guys yeah. can get out in space and make plays. Uh, it's not to say that Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams can't, but I'm just thinking in those terms of – what this offense and how these guys would function in this offense. And we've seen a lot of criticism of Daniel Jones of his processing, that maybe he yep. doesn't process as quickly. He's a smart guy, but is that the same as processing? Nope. nope. Down the field? <laughs> you know, I think that's also part of it. Who's processing well, you know, who can come in and work with Dable, you know, you know, that, that kind of, you know, who can take the criticism. Who can be the guy? You know, remember the question that they asked Thibodeau. The first question they asked Thibodeau was, okay, you go the first five games and you don't have a sack. Yep. And the media comes to you and says, how come you don't have a sack? You're a bust. How do you handle it? And they like Adversity, baby. Yeah. Right. You deal with adversity. Come back the next, you know, next week and I'll get, I'll get mine next week and I'll do what I can and that kind of thing. So Long-winded answer, I think that it's all of that stuff, but there are intangibles that I think these guys – look, they went off the radar in 2018 in Buffalo, and they weren't the, the head yep. coach and the general manager. But everybody has revisionist history and wants to look back and say, oh, well, it was easy to pick Josh Allen. No, it was not. Josh <laughs> Allen was yeah. not the guy that year. He had the arm. But he had a lot of criticism. There was a lot about his accurate, his inaccuracy. Go back and read stuff. The security. Oh, Josh Allen couldn't hit water in a boat. I saw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're right. You know, I was one of those guys. What did Buffalo do? Buffalo traded up twice to get to seven to get to Josh Allen. And Shane told a story today about moving up, and you just don't know what other teams are thinking. And he mm -hmm. said that they were actually in Wyoming with Josh Allen for a private workout with the Bills when uh, that year the Jets moved from six to three with the Colts. Don't forget yep. that. Yep. And everybody thought they were like, we're going to, we're going to lose Josh Allen because in their mind, Josh Allen was the best prospect on the board right. quarterback wise, but the Jets had eyes for Sam Darnold and that's the way it played out. And they ended up <laughs> Darnold. So, you know, I, I think, Getting to know, I mean, this GM was a scout, he's a scout at heart. Joe wants to get to know these guys, he mm -hmm. wants to be on the road and remember a story from two years ago when he was at the game. And you know, look at the story he told about Hyatt last year being on the sideline yeah. at the Alabama game, and you feel Hyatt's speed on the field. Right. You know, that's where Joe Shane is. Now, I'm not saying it makes him a great GM, but as far as that's as far as evaluator goes, he's looking for those kind of things. In addition, he's a grinder on the on the tape. And so, yeah. like you said, Hefe, they know the prospects that they want to 
you know, one thing that Shane said last year that I think is accurate, they use the combine and these pro days to either confirm things that they saw on tape or if it draws a red flag on the tape, then they use these visits to kind of either say, okay, well, that was wrong. That's why they did that. Or it confirms it and says, you know what? We were right about this guy. That's not mm-hmm. for us. That's not for this offense. I don't like the way he answered that question. So I, I think that's kind of what they're looking for, uh, really in all positions. But I think that matters more than anything else at quarterback. Um, and, you know, like I said, they, Daniel Jones is in this locker room, at least for another year. You have guys that respect him in that locker room. Uh, so it, it, that's part of it that you have to see how does he fit into this, you know, this program. I mean, look, they right. gave him $2 million, right, guys? They like things about Daniel Jones. He's here. So they respect Daniel Jones to a point. Um, there's got to be some of Daniel Jones's game that they're going to like in their next quarterback as well. I actually think having Daniel Jones here for another year is is more of a reason to take the quarterback now. Not only is it you're, you're picking top six, it's a quarterback class, but like he doesn't have the pressure of being that guy day one. Right. Like it, it looks like DJ's on track to start week one and be okay for training camp and stuff like that. If so, like D, DJ, for all of his love him or hate him, he's going to be a good teammate, right? To, to anybody in the locker room. So I, I see no problem with taking a quarterback. I think it's, I think it's borderline must, not only for job security for, for those uh, in the building, but for the best of the Giants. Like I just think we messed up DJ. He's hurt. He hasn't been good. And, uh, it's it's okay. It's okay to take a shot at the most important position. Like this is this is a good time to do it. I know I we totally have a couple agree. super chats, but Eli, yeah, what please do you got let's there? get to that, brother. Let's get to the yeah. to the super chats, and then now we got more okay. questions for Art for you guys. But let's go uh, to the chat here. See what our guy, got. our guy Chris Peace. We're, this is back to our back. question. He's he's willing <laughs> he's willing to sign the contract, but he did have a question about that chair that Justin borrowed. He wants to know where you got that. <laughs> Shout out, Chris, man. Appreciate your brother. Former revival fan of the uh, revivalist of the month. Shout out mm-hmm. to you, Chris. But go right ahead, or you can answer that. Uh oh, boy, I'm gonna. <laughs> um, there's really not really not much of a story with the with the uh, the chair, other than uh, it's where I live. I live, but not. I live up in Westchester now. I grew up, born and raised in Jersey. Uh, got okay. married, married a Bronx girl, and we ended up getting married and moved our family to Westchester. So I live in Westchester, right on the border of uh, of Briarcliff and Austining, and up in that area. So uh, it was uh, from a school event that um, that I was at, and we ended up buying the chair. So that's where the Austining pride comes. Nice. From. nice. Where, in Jersey did, <laughs> where in Jersey did you grow up? Uh, Rochelle Park. So I'm Bergen County, born and raised. Nice Went to Zach High School. And uh, Spiro's yeah. neck of the woods up there. Oh, yeah, I was, I was, I lived right behind Exact High School, right? Over there. Uh, another <laughs> another nice. question for you, Art. So, so proper here, Mr. Stapleton. <laughs> oh, I oh, like that. Chris. In your years of covering the Giants, is there a trait or characteristic that separates a successful player from an unsuccessful one? What would you say to that? Yeah, 20, 2012 to 2024. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough you know i i think um you know i'm trying to, it's a tough question it really is i, yeah. I think 
uh, because there are a lot of different personalities over the course of these regimes. You know, like I, I think, put it this way, I think if Odell was a rookie um, with this regime, I think they would love him. Mm -hmm. I think they would love Odell. Odell drove Tom Coughlin crazy. And then obviously when Dave Gettleman took over and Pat Shermer, you know, Dave Gettleman felt like he had to trade Odell because, uh, you know, he would wreck the locker room with Pat Shermer, mm -hmm. you know, so o Odell was a successful player here. Um, I know people look at the team success, um, but, you know, it, it's really a tough call because I, I we were at the restaurant tonight and uh, Kevin Booth came by and, you know, Kevin Booth, who's basically half of the man he was when he played here in the <laughs> Super Bowl for the Giants in Indianapolis. And, you know, I actually joked to the guys at the table. I said, you know, there was a, that, that game goes differently and Kevin Booth might not ever want to come back to Indianapolis. <laughs> Phantom holding penalty. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, I don't know if there was one trait, but you know, you, you need to kind of embrace this, this area, this, this franchise, but also, you know, I thought Dexter Lawrence said it great last summer, and I really thought it was going to set the table for the season is that, you know, we're tired of rebuilding. It's time to win. You know, like he, he kind of, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. Like you need players who just are tired of, you know, saying we're almost there. You know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're almost there. We're, we're so close. There have been a lot of guys who have been poisoned in this locker room by that mentality. The idea of, you know, the year that the Giants praised themselves for scoring the most points in the NFC East, you know, like right. that, that idea, you know, that was the Gettleman Shermer year, I believe the first year, you know, I, I think that's kind of the trait that I've seen is that when teams win, they want more, you know what I mean? They, right. they want to win yeah. more. And I think that was kind of Dexter's thing this summer is that, you know, I'm ready. Like I got my contract. I made the playoffs. He's in his prime. Him. Yeah. Yeah. In my prime or even, even before his prime, right? right. Dexter yeah. hasn't even hit that Jeez. spot. No. Um, and I think that's Crazy. kind of the, the feeling, you know, but it's hard for me because when I first started on the beat, it was, it was the guys that were left over from 07, the talks, the OCs, uh, you know, and then I had, you know, Hakeem Nix and Victor Cruz and Eli always cast that shadow and Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw was that they were that toughness. But if they were losing, you know, could you imagine if O.C. and I and I love O.C. and he's an all time great, probably should be viewed, you know, better league wide than he actually is. As a, I agree. As a player. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Shout out. O.C. Could you imagine? if OC played on a couple losing teams and he wasn't practicing and he was on the bike, right. you know, we used to call it tour to OC, you know, cause he would be on, <laughs> right. he'd be on the bike on the sideline. I mean, he called yeah. the general manager a liar and a and legal, you know, a legal affidavit. I think it was back in the lockout. He called Jerry Reese out, called him a liar, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. If that happened to in today's day and age, I don't know if OC is embraced by the fan base, the way, he is because let's be honest. Look how Xavier McKinney is being treated yeah. with some yeah. of the things that he's yeah. saying on social media. He might not be talking about the Giants. He might be putting out, you know, lyrics that you know he said. You know, I can't even post anything. Might be something else. You know, guys that are looked at as you know, oh, they're selfish or this. That's always been there. But when you win, 
people put up with your they view you mm -hmm. through a different lens as opposed to when you don't win you know and you know i think that goes across the board and i think you know look let's be honest if saquon barkley had had been in the playoffs more than just one year we wouldn't talk about being selected number two overall too much. Some people right. still would, but if they were winning and they were in the playoffs and they were competing for a championship, you're not complaining about uh, the running back, the star running back. Some people still will, but I think, you know, the losing is kind of hung over this, this franchise now. And I think that kind of, you know, portrays players in a certain light. So I don't know if there's a specific trait, but I know that not all guys who talk about personal achievement are egomaniacs and not all guys who talk team, team, team are without ego. That's the way sure. I'd put it is that there are guys who may put on a face and you make you think that they are all about team yet behind the scenes, they want theirs just as much as anybody else. Mm -hmm. Whereas the reverse happens too. I mean, I think, you know, I think the losing eight at, Sa at Saquon Barkley. I mean, I think, it, you know, he was a guy who came in as sunshine and, you know, he turned that into a frown. You know, he was, right. you know, before 2022, you know, he, Saquon was, it was tough to deal with Saquon in, in the locker room because he just, you know, it was, it was tough. You know, Justin Tuck is one of the greatest leaders I've ever seen in, in athletics. And, you know, he even said, I mean, they called him Eeyore. Because right. he just was, woe is me, I'm hurt, I'm this, I'm that. And that was before the second Super Bowl. I mean, when Antro Roll gave that speech in the locker room and tapped his heart, you know, we got to have this, a lot of people thought that was directed towards Justin Tuck, who was another mm. captain. And, you know, Roll never came out and said, you know, it was about that guy. But he was trying to kind of perk Tuck up. And, you know, Tom Coughlin brought it out of Tuck. We, you watch the America's game, you know, after that season – and Coughlin basically admitted he brought Tuck into the office and said, I don't want to hear about injuries. Like, you, yeah. you, you either play or you don't want to play. I mean, he said it probably harsher in person. <laughs> yeah. Didn't relay that, that you know. So, right. I don't know. Long-winded answer again. I, I, I tend to ramble on and on and on. But, um, <laughs> Keep it going. No, that's why you're here, I think man. That's, I think that's really the – the trait is that sometimes what you see is not necessarily the whole package of guys. And I look, you guys know, you follow me on, on Twitter. You know, I fall into the trap. Sometimes I, I find myself defending guys and not because I, I want to defend guys or I'm on the payroll, which I get accused of being, you know, I just feel like I'm in the locker room. I'm getting to know these guys. It's part right. of my job to let you know who these guys are and why it's important of who they are. And I think that kind of gets lost sometimes because all we see is what's put out there on the camera or all we see is what's twisted in agenda, you know, people who, who want to drive things a certain way. And that's just the way it is. But, um, you know, I think sometimes it is a lot, a lot to learn. And I learn a lot by being in this locker room uh, for as long as I've been in there and I've seen the highs and I've certainly seen a lot of the lows. Right. And uh, Art, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask a couple questions. We're going to run through a couple of super chats, but I got one more question for him. But Hef, what kind of super chats we have? We'll get through those really quick. And then um, I got a, a question for Art here right after that. Well, it wouldn't be a show without a, a weekly precious. Just, you know, a weekly, weekly precious. Nothing better. Nothing we love better. You, Presh. We love uh, you. That's our girl right there. Thank you, Presh. Absolutely. 
And a uh, quick hello from Tuto in Italy. Tuto. 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 Tuto's our Italian mate. We love him. We love he's, him and his rugby he's team. A national rugby. Yeah. So we, yeah. Are we not allowed to do that, that anymore? No. We can. This is revival. Of course we can. With Tuto, we can do everything. As long as Tuto says it's okay, because he looks huge. So as long as he's, <laughs> if, he, if he's cool with it, I'm, I'm all right. Italian national rugby team. Let's, let's give him a shout. Yeah, shout out to Tuto. But Art, you know, obviously, you know, in the beginning, you mentioned free agency and you know it's pretty much around the corner once the combine is done but you know there's a big hike in the nfl right the giants actually has a little bit more salary cap space than yeah. we all thought at this particular time and i'm sure league-wide right but um let me ask you this do you see the giants being aggressive during free agency and if they are what mm. position you think they will tackle first and i probably know the answer to this <laughs> well you know it's funny uh, eli because i i think um before today, Shane was pretty open and honest, and he said on Friday he was in his office, and that's when the email came through from the league saying what the salary cap was going to be, and each team got you know a, basically a thirty million dollar bump. And he said that you know they were going to meet today. They had their plans set of how they were going to approach things, and now they needed to revisit and recalibrate. I think that was mm -hmm. his word yes. about what they were going to do now that they've got this little you know bump in cash. You know, um, before I say the position that I think they may go at, um, I, I think when they look at what they're doing, the reality is, guys, it's all about flexibility. It gives themselves a little bit more flexibility. But no they didn't give the Giants $30 million and give the Commanders 10 Right, right. Everybody, Everybody got that. Hurt. So, yeah. you know, if, if, uh, if we have the same amount of money and I give you five and you give me five, well, it, then we still have the same right. amount of money. So we're both starting it's... from where we were. Uh, so I think that's important to kind of understand. Now, does mm -hmm. it put a little different perspective on now you have that money, so maybe you use the franchise tag because, you know, out of that 30, now you know 12 is going to say Saquon for a franchise tag. Maybe they lean more towards thinking about that second tag uh, because they have that extra money to play with. But free agency – Shane made a point today that uh, I thought was very revealing about the defense and about Shane Bowen coming in as DC. And he said the biggest difference between Bowen and Wink was that obviously we all know Wink blitzes more than anybody. So they're not going to blitz as much. But Wink wanted to play read and react. W Wink wanted to build up that, that interior defensive line, rotate guys in, play the run, and then – to attack third down, get on third and longs and just attack, attack, attack. What he said about Bowen is that Bowen wants a defensive front that's going to attack. And they want to use their pieces up front to kind of get after the quarterback and then play the run on the way to the quarterback. And that's essentially what the Giants of old used to do yeah. in, in yep. their defense. So the first person I thought of was green light Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, yeah. he may play a little in coverage, but he's going after the quarterback. Right. Which I think it'll be interesting to see how his game changes and adjusts to this. But I also looked at now the edge. Like, do they go now and spend a little money on an edge mm. that's out there? Uh, that you know, I uh, maybe a Bryce Huff from the Jets and say, you know, we love his intangibles, we love his his traits. You know, we love his pass rate. He's got the best pass rush rate in the league. Damn. You know, maybe they pay a little more for him and say, you know what? We're going to unleash these two guys on the edge 
And then we'll worry about, you know, look, we, we got decks on the inside, you know, maybe they sign a Sean Robinson back and we'll play the run the way we have to. Um, so I think edge and then obviously the interior of the offensive line. Um, I think they got to get uh, two guys. I don't know if it's big money. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I guess it's uh, Unwanu is how they pronounce his name from, from the New England. Yes. You know, he, I think they could sign him as right guard and then have him as insurance if Evan Neal doesn't play well. Uh, and then I think also they'll sign a swing tackle to, you know, maybe be that guy at right tackle if, yeah. you know, they do get Unwanu and he's looking really good at right guard, you know, maybe they move Neal. Uh, to left guard, or if he's not playing well, they move him to the bench and they say, you know what, we got to figure out what we're going to do. But I, I do think that Neil uh, will get a shot at right tackle. I don't expect them to go out and pay big money for a right tackle to replace Evan Neal. And I don't know if they're doing it behind the scenes and working him at guard, but I think right now it's right tackle or bust for Evan Neal, and they'll deal with the consequences if they make that decision that he can't play right tackle. He's hurting the team. Uh, but I think he'll get another opportunity uh, to do that. So I'd say edge and interior offensive line would be the two spots that I think they may spend. Yeah, that's Ooh. music to our ears. Music yeah, to that, our ears. I love that. that. <laughs> at yeah. this point, yeah. if you're going with Daniel Jones, go invest into that offensive line at this point. And like you said, man, I'm, I'm just worried about Neil at that right tackle. But, you know, we'll I, wait, I, so I, I got a but. question because, all right, you, you said you said, right, like everybody has this hike now. But I, I think where it comes to is like guys like McKinney now, like where he might have been a little bit off the table. Now with that extra little bit of cash, maybe he comes on the table. Now, when it comes to McKinney, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the Twitter stuff, the, you know, does yeah. that factor in? Has that factored in at all, you think, in the, in the process of? Signing him back, or does Joe Shane and Dable not give two shits about what, what he says online, online on Twitter? And they 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 just look at the player, uh, you know. I think they look How, at the player. I think yeah. they look at the player. I've talked to several people with the Giants that they like Xavier McKinney. Um, you know, I, I think they essentially sided with McKinney in the whole Wink McKinney tiff. That's fact, yes. I don't believe you know, and I you know Dable hasn't told me that personally, but you know. I, Look, we all we wrote about it. People, oh, you guys didn't write about it. No, we. I, I talked about it. I know. I know there were a bunch of people on the beat that talked about it. That it was a little weird that you know Dable downplayed everything like he's mm. apt to do in press conferences. And when he was even asked, you know, will McKinney, you know, be benched for a game or something like that, Dable kind of you know looked at him. Why? And then Wink went on the offensive and went after Xavier. He was obviously, you know. It, it hurt him personally, Wink, and he felt like the, he felt the need to go after him. Um, you know, I think this organization, like Xavier McKinney, I think, you know, again, does he come back on the table for the Giants? Does he come back on the table for a couple other teams that mm-hmm. you know may have said before this bump in pay, we ain't paying him sixteen million dollars a year, and now eh, if we can get a twenty-four-year-old safety. You know, maybe we can pay 16, knowing that Shane yeah. may only go 14, you know, that kind of thing. So I think they'll try to do what they can to get X back. Um, you know, I don't think his public persona is the same as what he is in the locker room. Um, gotcha. and I told X this after the season. We were at my the Miami game after that game. And that was – you guys remember that – who could forget the Tyreek Hill play? 
when mm-hmm. uh, Adore yeah. was on the sideline and told us he was get, was coming out of halftime and he was getting his helmet fixed, right? And yep. Trey Hawkins had to come onto the field and they were all out of position. Well, Jonathan Vilma was doing the broadcast that night for Fox and he actually called McKinney out and said it right. should have been McKinney's play. And after the game, uh, McKinney was asked that. I was at his locker and McKinney just kind of – you know, it was just like, who's that? You know, like, who's that? And it like, was very dismissive and seemed like he was going borderline like offense versus defense in that moment. And it was before the trade deadline. And I said to myself, mm-hmm. they're going to deal McKinney. Like, he does not mm. get the, the season. And I actually told Xavier that after the season, to be honest, when I was at his locker. And I told him and I said, look, you know, I don't know what switch was flipped for you late in right. the season but you played the way everyone thought you'd play, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole season. And he said, you know, sometimes, sometimes things just don't work out the way you think, or, you know, the idea is that, you know, it's not playing out maybe the way you see it, but it's, that's the way it's happened. So, and and that day it was baggy day and I was at McKinney's locker and it was after the Dable and Shane press conference. You guys remember the timeline in terms of, you know, they talked first and then we got the players in the locker room. I was talking to McKinney and interviewing him and Brian Dable, who's never in the locker room when the media is there, the head coaches usually stay out. They don't come into the locker room. Dable came over and actually like apologized to me and said, you know, I just got to talk to get X for a second, big embrace, big hug, you Mm. know, talk to you soon, you know, talk to you a couple of weeks, that kind of thing. Dable likes McKinney, loves McKinney. I know Shane likes McKinney. I know the organization likes McKinney. Do they seems, like? Do they seems like, like a match. Tag? Do they like his price tag? I do agree. The idea, he's a 24-year-old homegrown player that they actually hit on in the draft, previous regime. You don't want to let those guys walk out the door, but you also have to gauge where he's at, you know, where the mm-hmm. final five game. They can answer this better than I can, but I said this to somebody yeah. yesterday. Was the final five games of contract push? Where, where you know, did he just turn the yeah. light on and say, you know what, I got to get mine. I got to, I got to mm. ball out and and make sure that this is the lasting impression. Now, again, like I said earlier, it's okay to have an ego and be selfish. He's helping the right. team. I mean, Xavier yep. McKinney was outstanding for them down the stretch. Yes. Uh, but again, is that just a product of down the stretch? Or is that the player that they believe they're going to see uh, moving forward in this defense? So it's going to be very interesting. $15 million question right there. And there it is. (laughs) And and let me say this, the fact that they have a bump in in free, you know, in cap space. Uh, What do you see Saquon in this, in his future here with the giants being Mm. around that team? Because, you know, usually the beginning of the season, right. You know, it was the rumor reel, you know, that the guys wanted to see Saquon get paid before the quarterback, right? We know, of yeah. course, I, I don't know. But um, as far as right now with the cap being the way it is, what do you think is Saquon's future here with the New York Giants? Can I say one thing on that, Eli? Yeah, please, it, please. Funny. I was in that locker room in Minnesota when they won mm-hmm. that game. I was there when they were singing in the locker room, go DJ, that's our DJ. Mm-hmm. I was there. Mm-hmm. Those players wanted Daniel Jones to get paid. Did they want Saquon mm. to get paid too? Yes. But they wanted Daniel Jones to get paid. 
They, okay. There were guys that believed in Daniel Jones. That Eagles game, Daniel Jones played horribly. They all did. They got hijacked. They got Eagles. dominated everywhere. Like and, yes. I think, yeah. and I think it kind of hurt them a little bit from a mental perspective, the way their backups played in the finale against the Eagles, giving them everything they had. The Eagles looked like crap. And I think they almost felt like, you know, when they saw the Eagles again, the starters were going to actually have an edge. And instead, I think it probably helped the Eagles a little bit to mm. kind of realize, you know what, we got to get our act together. Um, right. So that's kind of how I feel about that. I, I, I think it's kind of, you know, now it's portrayed that way because of how the season went with Daniel. This team loved Daniel Jones. We weren't making it up in that locker room. They loved Daniel Jones. They might not love him now. You know, they may look like <laughs> yeah. I, I can't tell you that. But yeah, as far yeah. as Saquon goes, um, look, did Saquon have a better year this year than last year? Individually. No. 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 Did the team did the team no? Was it Saquon's fault? Some of it. Not all of it, not even close. But if Joe Shane wasn't willing to pay him at the end of last season, and again, you can go back to the bye week in November of 2022. He he had that contract on the table. If Saquon signs it, we may be looking at that contract now and going, man, I can't believe they gave him that much money when they could have gotten the franchise tag at 10.1 if he had this season, right? I mean, it's all about perspective. I can't see – Joe Shane saying, you know what, Saquon, we're going to put the franchise tag on you because it's a $2 million raise. I mean, he would get a $2 million raise if they franchised him again. That's number one. And number two, I got to imagine Saquon wants to see the market. He wants to see the market. He's never done it. You never think that you're going to hit the market and not see what you hope to see, right? There's You always think there's going to be that one team. And if, if Saquon's willing to go to that one team, regardless of what that one team is, if they give him $14 million and more guaranteed money than the Giants are willing to give, then I think the Giants shake his hand, wish him luck, and tell him, you know, we love you as a Giant. We'll see you in five years, and, you know, you'll be the guy that the fans are cheering because you're coming out with all the Giants guys that, you know, we love. Um, You know, so I think, um, you know, look, Shane is not going to come out today and say, we're not using the franchise tag on Saquon. It's a negotiating tactic, right? Right, right. He's going to meet with Saquon's representatives. He's not going to walk in and go, you know, I'm not going to tag you. I think he's going to walk in and probably say, look, we won't tag you, but here's what we want. We want to have the final, final shot. Give us the final shot. You want to retire as a giant. We're going to let you hit the market. Come back to us when you get your offer, and we'll we'll let you know if we want to give it or not. You know, and and then That's it comes down to then it comes down to does Saquon really want to be here? Does he believe the Giants are operating in good faith? I would think by letting him explore the market, that's kind of a good faith thing, right? I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think they're, they're they'll talk numbers and see where it's at. Um, but you know, I think. If you read into some of the things that Shane said today, um, you know, he wanted to be optimistic and paint an optimistic picture. But, you know, he talked about, I think Saquon learned some things. You know, we learned some things too, but in a year, I think they learned some things. The three guys that were franchise tagged at running back are all now not going to be tagged. At least that was the report from Schefter 
yesterday regarding Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard. We had the report on Saquon last week that it was very unlikely they were going to use the tag. And, you know, I guess everybody forgot that when, you know, when Adam tweets everything and all respect, to right. Chef, but, you know, we kind of, you know, a couple of us on the beat reported that last week, but yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what I, I just, and if you guys listened to, you mentioned Madeline. So obviously you guys, Madeline Burke, you guys obviously listened to the Q and a queen B. Yeah. Queen B. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they did a great, I thought John Schmelk and Madeline and Shane, I mean, that was... And Charlie. I, and Charlie. Right. Shout out Charlie. Right? <laughs> yeah, Shout out Charlie. Charlie got him. Charlie got Shout him. out Charlie, right? Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, the one thing that Shane said to the question about free agency and running backs is that he wasn't asked about certain running backs that were on the market. He mentioned two running backs that guys like us have said they could probably get for half the price that Saquon might be looking for. Mm. And that's Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Yeah. Two guys that, oh, by the way, they oh, had in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they know those guys. You look at what Moss did last week, last year uh, in place of Jonathan Taylor. You know, Singletary has obviously played very well. Um, so, again, are those guys Saquon Barkley? No, I, they are not Saquon Barkley. I, I think – you know, you do factor in the off-the-field stuff to a point. Um, but, uh, you know, guys, I I just don't see how the Giants are going to pay him more than what they did uh, last year when they held a firm line coming off arguably his best season as a Giant. I mean, the rookie year right. was yeah. what it was, but you also had Odell in that offense, and teams were worried about Odell as much as they were worried about Saquon. So, um, you know, and Saquon, all, all the flowers. He, he was outstanding as a rookie, and I think he's a good player, um, and I think he has a lot of talent. Um, but I think even him in a private moment, he'd say he's not where he wants to be, and a lot of the circumstances right. with the Giants have probably held him back. I mean, he, it's fair for him to think, what would I be if I was behind the Cowboys' offensive line and, yeah. you know, or, you know, another great offensive line in the league, you know, where, you know, Cleveland, you know, with Nick Chubb putting up the numbers that he was. Imagine if he ran behind a Bill Callahan coach's offensive line. Where, yeah. um, so to me, the answer is uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, I, I think Saquon's going to be elsewhere. I think the Giants will make yeah. a decision to, to go in a different direction okay. um, because of that. Uh, and I think they'll catch heat from a certain segment of the fan base, they'll be celebrated by a certain segment of the fan base, and then it'll be, well, are you winning games? Because if you win games, mm -hmm. right, one, people will say you were right. If you don't win games, and even if it has nothing to do with the running back, you are going to get criticized for allowing Saquon to go elsewhere. And, and like I, I said to the fans, oh, yeah, sorry. we love Saquon, yeah. let him walk. Let him yes. walk. Let him go figure it out elsewhere. Speak. I'm sorry, brother. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I just wanted to piggyback off that a little bit because last year it kind of seemed like they were operating under – Daniel Jones, Saquon, that's a package, right? Like, like they wanted to get them both in because one helps the other. Mostly Saquon, the thought process was helping Daniel Jones. What does that say now that they're, they're letting the right-hand man of Daniel Jones, the guy that they, they purposely brought back to make Daniel Jones better, what does that say about what they think about Daniel Jones if they're letting a Saquon go? Does it, does it mean they have more faith in him, less faith in him? Does it mean nothing at all to you? Like, what does that say? about that situation. I, 
I think here, here's what I think. I think they were tied together because of the contract situation last off season that yes, they wanted both of them back, but I don't believe that it was a, we have to get both of them back by any means necessary. I think it's just the way it worked that they had one franchise tag and they pushed and pushed and pushed to get that 11th hour deal that they knew that the franchise tag was going to one of them. And, you know, look, if, if they didn't move to the point where Daniel Jones accepted that extension, Daniel gets the franchise tag and Saquon hits the market. And we don't know if Saquon is back here. We don't know if the giant budge and give him the, you know, that, that, you know, we can't, you know, it's revisionist history, but you know, I'd love to know five, 10 years down the line, you know, if Joe Shane, you know, wins a Super Bowl here, you could actually get him and say, you know, look, what would have happened if, you know, Saquon came back to you, if you had to tag Daniel, would you have gone up in price and said, you know what, we're going to give Saquon 14 because we're going to up our guarantees because we have to have both of them back. Or was it just one of those things where they had the franchise tag, they got Daniel on the deal, and then it was like, well, we're not letting Saquon go now. We're going right. to keep him on the franchise tag. And the franchise tag was only $10 million. So at that point, they felt as though it was a bargain compared to mm. the offer they offered him during the season. But great question. It is a great, great question. Uh, and it does you know, kind of send the flare up that if – you know, if Saquon's gone, see what they do to replace him. But also, um, that that will make you know a lot of people feel like they're moving beyond 2022 because 2023 reset the clock again. It right. would be so much easier to just make this move if they drafted better. Like you got these, like you draft these like Brightwells and Eric Grays, and like you see other yeah. teams find these gems in the mid rounds. And if you had a stud. That like when Saquon needed a breather or when Saquon misses a couple of games, you have a guy that looks like young and fresh like Saquon did as a rookie. Well, then you don't you feel no desire to pay Saquon anything that he's asking for. And like mm-hmm. you just got to take kind of the human aspect out of it a little bit. I know he's a company man and he sells tickets and he's a great guy. Nobody doubts any of that. But the whole NFL sees the running back one way. Don't be the one team that's like, <laughs> we got to have this running back. I just right. don't like it's the same reason why Giants – Fans can't get over Odell because they never fucking replaced them. They never yeah. got another alpha. You don't like, think Golden Tate replaced them? That <laughs> <No. year>? <laughs> <laughs> Three like, days I, after they traded Odell, they they signed gold a washed Golden Tate. I love yeah, I love using right the, there. I love using the Vikings as an example. Like they're not Vikings fans aren't crying about losing Diggs when you got Justin Jefferson right behind him. You know, like that's the right way to do it. If you don't want to pay, you replace and you draft. Um, we've we got Dalvin Cook, right? Wasn't Dalvin Cook uh, five straight years of a thousand yards, and the Vikings got rid of him coming off a playoff disappointment, and they basically mixed and matched that running back, and they they got by. They, I mean, they weren't a great team, <laughs> yeah, but right. they also lost their quarterback to an Achilles injury, so yeah, right. you know, they they kind of suffered a similar fate that the Giants did. And and at the end of the day, the Giants have one winning season with Saquon. So it's it's not like he's carrying us to all these incredible victories. It's not it's still not enough. Like you gotta draft better, you gotta build the line, you gotta upgrade a quarterback. And I think no one's gonna miss that he is a great player, but I think there's there's better ways to build this team than spending money there. Uh so do you mind if we 
Yeah, let's catch up. Yeah, real a couple. Quick. Of, let's catch yes. up. But we got a this was from before Peter, and uh, Peter. we may have missed this uh, train of conversation Pete, here. Pete, thank you so much, Pete. Would it be irresponsible of the Giants to not take a quarterback? I think we kind of agree that the injuries are a major part of this, right? Like it's it's, yeah. it's performance and it's injuries, and combined, it seems like a no brainer. Despite Joe Shane supporting his quarterback, which shouldn't surprise anybody, like he signed that deal. Like Joe Shane gave him that deal. He's not going to criticize the guy that he signed. He also structured a deal where everyone's talked about it. Yes. I mean, there is a dead money payment next year that of $22 million that they'll still be paying Daniel Jones, although retroactively or proactively, you know, the Bobby Bonilla, you know, dead money situation. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, look, they, they have to, fix the quarterback room. I mean, you can't go into next season with Daniel Jones and Tommy DeVito and not do anything in free agency, but we'll know, you know, look, if, if they bring Tyrod back or if they sign Jacoby Brissett or, you know, give big money to Gardner Minshew and say he's going to compete with Daniel, well, then they're basically telling you what they're going to do in the draft. Um, but Does Tyrod change anything? Since the, the rumor is Tyrod's comeback, does that change anything in regards to what the draft strategy is? I don't think it does, right? Makes me think about it a little bit. Just because little bit, but just because Joe made a point to really not include Tyrod in the mix at the end of the regular season this year. You know, when they talked about it, they talked about how Daniel and Tommy were the only ones on under contract. Um, you know, I don't know if Tyrod wants to be coming back here. I think the Giants would probably have to overpay Tyrod a little bit to come back here. I mean, you think Tyrod wants to come back here and and deal with the the situations? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Daniel's starting. Okay, you're the backup again, Tyrod. I mean, somebody's got to you know, somebody might might offer him a chance to say, you know, we want you to be a bridge to a rookie. Come somewhere else. Um, He earned it. He wants to start. He wants to start. Let's try to let's try to fire these off real quick so we yeah. can get caught up. Uh, re- this is a question everybody needs to know, right? Like we we all wonder about these th- these things. Uh, from Matt, uh, thank you, Matt. Hey, Art, do you Matt, think thank Mara you. has any sway in these in this whole decision? Good Money question. aside, it, do, does Mara get? Does he still get involved? Because that's what everybody thinks. That's what most Giants fans think. What do you think? Well, I'll say this about John Mara, and people don't want to hear it. And, and by the way, my idea for the new character in your show was going to oh, yeah. be. It's going to be have somebody dress up like John Mara and then have me and a couple other beat reporters coming behind him and he's just Let's like throwing go. money for us. Like, <laughs> Let's like go. Let's man. Go. He, could be, he could be Ted DiBiase and I'll be Virgil. Yes. That's great. Thank you, man. Take your check and go essentially away. Wants a check. Yeah. $100 million check if, that, if John's got a dream on it. Okay, then I'll then I'll sign. I'll accept that. Nice. Check. Wow, he uh, really no. is paying the beat reporters. Yeah, I could work with that. That's a good. That's a good <laughs> sure, idea. Sure, that's sure. good yeah, idea. my wife says, "Yeah, let me that's see the one. bank account." That that. that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Your wife wishes it were true. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but look, John's in the building every day. John is a day to day owner involved with the team. He's the team president, you know. But he wants Joe Shane to be the front guy. I mean, he wanted Dave Gettleman to be the front guy, and that certainly did not work. I mean, that's why John Mara has pulled back from speaking publicly. Everyone wants to know how come John Mara is not doing news conferences because he's comfortable with Joe Shane being the front man for the football operations. And I don't think that John Mara is pulling the plug. I'll give you a couple examples. Number one, 
John Mara, why didn't he step in? He knew that Ben McAdoo was going to handle the Eli Manning situation poorly. Why would John Mara let – he approved of it, but why would he allow Ben McAdoo, if he was this you know involved owner who was going to pull the punches and he's really pulling the strings, why wouldn't he deliver the news to Eli Manning? But he would let socially awkward – and look, I've been accused of being socially awkward too. Ben McAdoo, nobody considered Ben. No, know, So why would he do that? I could tell you this flat out. I've been told by people in the organization. Everybody laughs now and says, ah, it's a lie. John Marrow loved Josh Allen. That was his guy. He liked mm. Josh Allen out of all the quarterbacks. Now, that doesn't mean okay. that John Marrow said, I want a quarterback. Because he didn't. Wow. They they were their consensus was it was Saquon. So it wasn't just Dave Gettleman. They deferred to the general manager. But if they had gone quarterback, I can tell you that John Mara liked Josh Allen the mm. best out of those guys. Now okay. it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. He didn't pick him. He didn't force his GM to pick him. And you know, it really right now it's just one of those things where it's the guy who says, I loved Lawrence Taylor. I knew he was gonna be McAdoo like Mahomes, right? Isn't that the, the, the that's it's the, the that's same the rumor, right? thing that yeah. becomes legend now? Giants fans are like, Oh, see, if McAdoo, if we just listen to McAdoo and trade it up for Mahomes, the Giants were picking where they were picking, they were never trading up to 10 to get Patrick Mahomes. Right. You couldn't right. sell that when you had Eli there, you just couldn't. Um, and that's just the way things work. But I do not think John Mara is going to uh, say to Joe Shane, no, you got to keep Daniel. You got to keep Daniel. They they allowed him to structure the contract the way they structured the contract, right. knowing that if things went bad, that they would be able to get out of the contract after two years. Now it's not get out without penalty. That whole thing that every always gets talked about. Now people are like, Oh, it's without penalty. It's not without penalty. There is some debt. There's dead money, significant amount. It's essentially what they did with Kenny Galladay. I mean, would you eat the Daniel Jones contract next year for dead money? The way you ate Galladay, if you can just, you know, deal with a, a new quarterback. Yeah, you would. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. I don't think John Mara is pulling the strings and telling Shane what he has to do. I think he offers his opinion. I mean, for God's sakes, guys, he's the owner. His yeah. family, his family bought the team. Yeah. The you get that. You get that kind of. Yeah. yeah, the New York Giants were founded by a Mara, so it's his team. And you know, when he says he cares and and he hates to lose. He does. I mean, he's a guy who grew up just like you guys as Giants fans rooting for this team when he wasn't thinking about, oh, uh, one day I'm going to sit in the owner's box. That's right. not how he was growing up. I mean, there was a Mara family rule. Everyone talks about, oh, nepotism, the Maras just take care of the Maras. There was a family rule that in order to work in the organization, if you were a Mara, you had to go outside the organization and start your career. And then – if you put in time in another career elsewhere, then you were allowed back into the fold with the organization. It happened with John Mara. People forget John Mara was a lawyer. He hated it, but he was a lawyer. He was not all of a sudden his father's right hand on the books. Now, obviously he became that and became pretty quickly that, but you know, People talk about Tim McDonald now and say, oh, the nephew, oh, he's taken care of. Tim McDonald went and worked at Notre Dame 
and was on the staff at Notre Dame. Tim mm-hmm. McDonald knows a lot of people in the NFL. You know, you talk to people from other teams and other scouts, they like Tim McDonald. He's not Tim Mara. You know what I mean? Like fans know that, that he's John Mara's nephew, but Tim McDonald had to go out the, outside the organization and then come back into the organization uh, to earn his spot. So again, there are little weird situations. I mean, you know, you've got, you know, bottom line is, you know, Joe Shane is Tim McDonald's boss, but you know, Tim, Tim at some point will probably be the team president of this team. And, you know, you're not going to fire Tim McDonald, but, you know, he's held accountable. He holds himself accountable. It's like John Mara being team president. Uh, so right. answer that question. Again, I know nobody's going to listen to me. Everyone's going to, you know, oh, you're just back in Mara. I mean, I, I, I want a payroll. <laughs> exactly. I kind of have a sense of where Mara is. I mean, look, is John Mara doing doing press conferences after every game like Jerry Jones? No, he's not. I mean, and, you know, does he talk to reporters every now and then? Will he talk to reporters off the record if you catch him? You know, yeah. I mean, John, people who've been around for a while, I mean, I don't think he's going to be talking to guys who, you know, are accusing him of, of nepotism and, you know, right. creating conspiracies on this, right. Right. you know, in this right. franchise. I think, I was just, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, gotcha. So I think there are situations where you would expect the owner to step in and say, look, you know, we need to do this. We need to do that. Um, I don't think that I, I think John Mara's a realist. I mean, look, you think he enjoyed watching last year after you think John Mara, what, what's the, what's the phrase, the quote that everyone's gotten so much mileage out of John Mara the last two years. The, uh Oh, we we screwed we screwed this guy. Is well, that Dan Jones? Yeah, that's a good one. No, the positive one. Remember oh, after after Minnesota, we're back, right? Oh, yeah, everyone, yeah, yeah. Everyone slams Mara. Oh, we're back. Yeah, we're back. Right? We're we're back. John Mara was in the heat of the moment after that game. Was was thrilled, just like all of you guys, yeah. just like everybody watching this show right now. It was a high moment for the Giants. You you never expected to get back to that spot that quickly the way you won the way everything went i think that's kind of the the reality of the situation you know somebody caught him in the tunnel you know leaving the stadium we're, we're back they were fired up and it came back to bite them you know yeah, what i mean it came yeah, back yeah, to bite yeah. them and and people kind of used it to mock them but right. i don't think that john mara will stand in the way that's good to hear. As, because he knows the process by which Shane and Dable and the front office is following. Now, if they were just F this, we got to dump this guy. We got to get another quarterback in here and let's go sign Russell Wilson. If it's sound reasoning and as long as the quarterback doesn't come up, come here and, you know, dropping F bombs everywhere in his interview. John Mara <laughs> yeah. hears about it and it's like, do we really want this guy to be the front right. front man? You know, Drake May comes in here and you know talks about you know things that just don't link up in New York, that kind of thing. Then maybe John Mara will say, you know, I'm not sure about that. Not guy. That, my, my right, guy. Right, right. Right. It just right. the issue. Yeah, absolutely. but you 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 kind of touched on it, but like it's it's an uneasy thing as a fan. If, if you've been losing as much as we have and you have like personnel decision makers in the building that can't get fired because 
you know, like True. there's, there's, there is nepot like there's a problem there. You know what I mean? Where guys can't get fired. Holding yourself accountable is not the same as being able to get fired and getting someone better. Now that, guy, you know, FA, let, let's be honest that that's perception. That's just me saying it, that people perceive the idea that, you know, Tim is the director of player personnel. We know the family connection that they would never fire him. Look, I mean, if it imploded and they had to hire a new GM and they had to hire a new coach and that new coach that they really wanted can't, or that GM came in and said, you know, I'm not sure, you know, this works for us. Then maybe they would take the title away and give it to somebody else. And, you know, there'll be reorganization in, in, you know, put them, you know, have them be on the business side or have them do that. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they don't want to get to that point yeah. uh, to do that. And like I said, I, I just think there are grenades thrown all the time at uh, at a guy like Tim McDonald. And, and in reality, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, scouts respect and people talk about him and, you know, look, he's worked his way up. I mean, the family is going to have, you know, have people there. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, who, you know, who owns the team. Yeah. I mean, I my do. dad, my dad would promote the shit out of me too. <laughs> <laughs> so Hef, let's get to the rest of the super chats. Yeah. Here. Real right. quick. And I know, I know Art got a million things All to right. do too. And but Art, Art you can be honest. Did, did Mara Venmo you in the middle of that rant? <laughs> You're cooking. You're cooking. I, I heard it. I heard it. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Okay. <laughs> Nothing yet. Oh. I'm waiting. Oh, I'm waiting. Um, oh, I'm going to say, I like that. We got a big one. I'll save that for last. Uh, Sal has a great idea. Can you send some cash to Joe Shane and use it <laughs> to get on <laughs> Bueno? That 10 bucks might be that, that thing. That gets the 10 bucks might be the difference. Yeah, um, like nice one, Sal. Thank you. Uh, quick question from Chris. Uh, what do you think about Isaiah Simmons' future? Hmm. Uh, he was a good fit, obviously, good in Wink's scheme. Well, we got a different scheme now. What do you think? That is a good question. Um, and I would say uh, probably not because hmm. – I think the way Wink wanted to use Isaiah Simmons, I don't know if the Giants are going to put money into the front, into the front and invest in edge and want to get after it. We know Simmons is not a great run guy, right? right. I mean, and we never saw them use him as a strict edge guy. And his strength really down the stretch was being a blitzer and using him in different situations. I don't think that they would put him back at safety. Um, so I think Simmons may look for another opportunity. I, I don't know what he's looking for contract-wise. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think, you know, they wanted him here. They they made the trade to get him to be here. Um, but I, I would imagine it's just a one-year thing, and Simmons goes and tries to find a better fit for where he is. Unless he's willing to come in for, you know, maybe $2 million a year and say – you know, I just I want to be here. I want to be in New York, but I, I don't envision that happening. Right. Oh, right. Awesome. And who can have to agree with this last one here? Richard Judge. Uh, can we? Marvelous of the month. Shout out to him. 20, 25 beans, by the way. That, that, that we appreciate you. Revivalists of the month. We do appreciate you, brother. We're going to extend it. Why not? Because this is what it is. But all of us, we're, we're much younger men the last time the Giants won a Super Bowl. Let's let's do hey, this again. Yeah. I mean, I, there's been so much. life. Like so many Giants fans, you know how passionate they are. Like you, you see the interactions all like there's a space going every day, nine to five. Nobody works anymore. Shut we just talk about the Giants all day, every day. Like so much people put so much energy into this team. And I feel like there hasn't been enough given back, you know, like we're due for a nice run now. It's the fork in a road, right? This this offseason yeah. might might be the fork in a road. 
for where this franchise goes, and they could pick the right path. This is a big year. This is a very big year. I, I think year. one of these got one of you guys. It'll be very interesting to see because I've heard that they have a lot of plans for the fans this season for the hundredth mm. season. It's the hundredth anniversary of the Giants this year. Oh, so I've heard that starting in the spring, you're going to start th- seeing things pop up. Now, I don't know if it's medium sodas or large sodas. Large. Or that kind of thing. I mean, that's another example. John Mara could have stepped in and said, you know what? This ain't happening. And he didn't. Right. Um, you know, I don't I even believe it came across his desk. And they regretted the way it played out. They never anticipated that. That was, that was insulting. It's, they it should, was bad, you know, it was a bad decision. But they should hire me because I feel like I'm connected to the fans. <laughs> and I would be like, they will rip you apart if you offer which, them a soda. Hefe, which one, which one of you? Which, which uh, one exactly of you? at this that's point. The, right? That's that's what I want to know. I mean, they would only hire blue jersey because he, he would he would support the Giants no matter what. That so. is a good point. Uh, so let, let me ask you this. Damn it, maybe damn it, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, it could be that. <laughs> yes. All right, all right, let me ask you this because you know we had a little bit of a kind of a little bit of turmoil between you know Wink and Dayball. It kind of played out kind of ugly. Yeah, you see it, right? You see it. It kind of played out a little ugly during the offseason. But as of right now, being around Joe Shane and, and the guys over there, how do you feel that you know their their level? How, how's their level? How's their vibes? Do, do they feel like all right? It came and went, but uh, how do you feel? How do you make of that? Just being around those guys actually right now. You know, Shane was asked that today, and we don't talk to Dable on the record here. I mean, you'll see him and brush by, and like I mentioned, uh, you know, you hope to see him in the in the lobby. But Dable's kind, of, excuse me, kind of a you know blow by. Hey, I'll talk to you guys at the owners' meetings in Orlando at the end of March. Uh, they try to leave everything in the offseason to Shane, but he he talked today, and I kind of feel this way too. Like, look. They made mistakes this year. They they have to learn from the mistakes that they made. Um, you know, one of the mistakes was, you know, Dable didn't nip things in the bud or he allowed – last year he allowed Wink to run his defense and he let Wink be the head coach of the defense. And year two, like I said, ego is not always a bad thing. But when ego mm-hmm. pops up and becomes a bad thing, you got to figure out a way to, to squelch it. And – I think it was too late because at that point, you know, there was always the already the report to Jay Glazer, and and yeah. then it was you're trying to fur, you know figure out what went on, and um, you know, look, that's it, the way it happened. But you know, Shane said, "Look, you know, I've got to evolve. Dave, Dave's has to evolve. I mean, we all know how last year went. I don't believe they have their head in the sand now. You know, they're gonna have to show it in their actions. The, the moves Kafka. they made." You know, Mike Kafka's here. I mean, you know, look, Shane made a point today. You know, we Kafka got interviews for a head coaching job off of – now, he didn't say it. These are my words. One of the worst offenses in the league this year. Yeah. Mike Kafka still yeah. got head coaching job uh, job interviews in Seattle, and they, they wanted to bring him in as offensive coordinator. So I think, you know, again, people aren't going to believe it. I've talked to people that – I don't believe they've made the decision on play calling. I think they will probably should call the plays because, mm. you know, if, if you're going to go down with the ship and I don't believe he's, he's on the hot seat, I, I think they're going into year three with an open slate and see where things go. But, um, you know, I don't, I, I think there are still things that Kafka can show as uh, offensive coordinator and assistant head coach 
that he's ready to be a head coach and it doesn't have to do with calling plays. I mean, Dable came here as a head coach and decided a guy that he hired that had he had no previous relationship with Mike Kafka, he was going to let him call play. He was going to develop him and let him call plays for the Giants in his first season. And that says a lot for Dable. He put a lot of trust in his process and hiring guys, you know, hiring Wink Martindale. You know what? It took a lot of guts for Dable to hire Wink and basically say, run the defense. Right. Probably not a smart move the way year two happened, right? I mean, you look at Dable and you go, you can't believe you let these guys loose. You know, what's it, the fox in the hen house? You know, you let them let them kind of run your defense and now you try to take it away from them. How are you going to do that? Right. Um, so I think they love the collaboration aspect of it. I think Dable has to be a little bit more involved and make sure that, you know, he knows what's going on in the meetings behind the scenes that the rest of the defensive staff doesn't feel like it's a power three and the rest of the staff. And I do think that it got to that point down the stretch of the season. Right. Um, but, you know, look, I, I've heard that Dable is invigorated, that he's told people he's invigorated, okay. that, that he feels like he feels like, you know, he was kind of slapped across the face a little bit. My words, not his words, but that that you know he was disrespected a little bit. I think as a head coach, a little bit, a little bit, you know, <laughs> uh, you know the little De Niro thing, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So okay. I, I think I think you may get the best out of Brian Dable, and they're going to need it. They're going to need the best the out year. of Brian Dable this year uh, in order to get back to where they want, and uh, they're going to have to make some smart decisions this offseason, as we've laid out in order to make up for some of the shortcomings on this team. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I I don't believe they're hanging their heads right now saying, oh, what was us? We lost Wink, the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. Um, I think they wanted Wink. I, I really think that Dable, as much as we talked about it, I think Dable saw a path to keep Wink here. I know mm. that sounds crazy. It sounds ridiculous that the idea that once he fired the Wilkins brothers that he knew Wink was going to storm out. It's probably correct, but I do think there was a smidge of the idea of maybe he would get together with Wink and they would be able to get on the same page after that and say, look, I fired my guy, Bobby Johnson. We fired him. He's my guy. I brought him here from Buffalo. He's gone. Right. We had to fire the Wilkins brothers. Everybody on this defense thinks you take care of those guys. They're your guys. They're your right hand. If I don't have a right hand, why do you need a right hand? That kind of thing. Uh, again, I don't believe this conversation happened, but I think it would have happened had Wink handled it differently and not wanted to leave and make those plans known in November. You know, he was telling people he wanted to leave. People around Wink were telling people he's out. The Jack Bauer on the back of the play, play yeah. um, you know, 24 hours. I mean, the Crazy. messages were there. Mm -hmm. I think Dable really wanted to, you know, talk it through and say, look, can we make this work? What can we do to make this work? Because I don't believe they wanted to get rid of this system. Uh, I think it was really personal and what played out. And, you know, by the time that happened, uh, I think it was over. When Wink stormed out, that was it. And then, you know, I think Dable knew it. And he probably knew it maybe 90% that it was never going to happen or 99% mm. that Wink was leaving. And But maybe there was that 1%. I mean, look, I, I know – that Dable was made aware when he was in Buffalo, okay, when he thought he was going to be getting head coaches job, head coaching interviews and getting a job, not the Giants, but anywhere else. 
I know that Wink Martindale, through whatever avenues, let Brian Dable know that he'd be interested in being a defensive coordinator for wherever Dable ended up. Mm, wow. did, he do that? did he do that with other coaches in the league? Possibly. But so Dable was aware that Wink – I mean, Wink talked about wanting to be a head coach from the moment he got here, right? I mean, this was his defense. It was never – never. he said once, I think, in any of his interviews uh, that, you know, he's, he's basically – you know, I always think of uh, – I love the show Blue Bloods, and it's the idea of, you know, Frank Reagan operates at the pleasure of the mayor. Well, right. you know, Wink Martindale once, and it was late in the year after all this stuff went down, essentially said, I operate and I work at the pleasure of the head coach. He was the second head coach. He viewed him as himself as a second head coach. Dable allowed it to happen. I don't believe that ever happens again. For Dave, right. I think he learned a harsh lesson. He paid for it publicly. I think that is still going to hang over him, and he's going to have to work through that this year in order to make sure that it doesn't get in the way of this team getting them back to where they need to be. Mm. Thank you so much, Art. Let's let's get to the super chats, guys, and then we'll wrap up with our Stapleton here. And we do appreciate your time, man. What super chats we got left there, uh, Hef? All right. So the question everybody needs to know: Are they going to bring back the real Fan Fest? Where they had the, the the practice, the all the whole nine, because that's what we wanted, and we were <laughs> we, we we felt we felt that a loss last year. Can yeah. they bring it back? Will they bring it back, or is that a thing in the past? I think it's a thing in the past, guys. Because oh. I, I just don't think. Um, I think these guys are paranoid. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. they and and I got to be honest, guys. I've seen videos from coaches saying, "Hey, I saw this video in training camp, mm. and when we played that team." You know, we put in this package. They didn't run the read option all year, but when they uh, came to us, we thought they'd run the read option. And here's the video. And I'm not talking giant specific, but I saw those. I saw videos, and I know I've had conversations with Dable, and you know they believe that now with social media, with the way these teams, every team in the league is scouring Twitter oh. and looking for videos and it sounds ridiculous guys right it sounds ridiculous ah the video that you know that may be put out by talking giants or you know hefe's in the stands and he shoots you know a crazy catch by somebody in the corner <laughs> of the end zone i do that yeah i did uh, that. i guilty it. guilty it. Know, and i think that's why they they really are paranoid they are paranoid uh i could tell you that you know, one of the plays that got out there in Dable's first year, I know for a fact, they practiced it and they said, you know what, this practice, this play will really work in week one against Tennessee against mm. Vrabel's defense. And we videoed it. We put it, we put it out there. And then the next day, the video uh, rules were in place that there was going to be no wow. video in of practice. So okay. the reason it gets the fan fest is that the fan fest was the practice. Maybe they do a little more. Maybe they have a little bit more on the field. Maybe there's more engagement. Maybe right. they tie in the hundredth, and you know have more have more older guys come. And you know that's what I thought they were missing. You know they they right. really you know they should engage with the fans a little more. You know people mocked what Joe Judge did. You know back you know when they they went to Newark and they had that practice. But Judge just grabs the microphone and then you know Saquon's talking to the fans and at that point. You know, I think one of the defensive guys, I think Logan Ryan at the time, yeah. talked to me. To me, guys like you want to see practice, want to see a scrimmage. You know what I mean? Practice. That's what you want right. to see. 
guys like me want to see that. Talk but I that. think they gambled and said for the younger crowd, if they have a fan fest and give people fireworks and, you know, yeah. the idea of watching a movie, I don't think that worked very well. But no. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe that maybe they have something planned that I don't know. But I, I don't know if they'll get too much cooperation on the football end of things to be able to have, um, you know, have that fan fest. But we'll, we'll see. It depends on what Monty's they do. Crushed. Monty's crushed. Monty's crushed. Shut up, Monty. <laughs> He's got a point. You can keep it vanilla. Just just <laughs> some basic shit. Or fake some fake shit for the fans. You can. Right, we got it. We got any other super chats, guys? Yeah, we got one last one. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, well. yeah. Let's say okay. Brooklyn Rentals. John, <laughs> this is Shout Shout out Brooklyn, Brooklyn Rentals. Shout out Brooklyn Rentals. Uh, please talk O-line. Uh, so, you know, we, we kind of touched we did on talk a little O-line bit. A little bit brother. Um, we're, we're thinking probably guard attack on Ono, whatever his name is. Um, uh, potentially maybe a hunt. You, you, you think they're going to invest in the uh, offensive line, correct? Like one Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. I, I don't think – look, there's an outside shot that Joe Alt – Factors in at number six oh, in the draft. No, I don't no, think no, no, no. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But Hearts. but you know, no, there there is. I mean, look, I, because I know there are fans who are going crazy at me when I said there is no way I would take a tackle there. I, I don't believe they would. Um, but you know, because I just think that you know that when you talk Shane and what he wants and the price point, like you can draft a receiver at six, and all of a sudden. That receiver, if he grows into a, we, year one, he's a top eight receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. The bargain you are getting from that rookie contract, it's not quarterback level, but it's pretty damn close as far mm-hmm. as the, the gap between yep. what Justin Jefferson wants oh. as a receiver and what you're getting from your number six pick. So um, I, I think, yeah, I, I think they're going to have to improve the depth. I think – um, the problem is that they have to find a balance between developing the talent that they have. They still have guys. Neil. They can't. Neil. You can't throw Evan Neal away. You can't throw Joshua Azudu away. You can't throw Marcus McKeithen away. Now, I'm not putting them in the starting lineup right off the bat, except for Neal. I'm letting him work in and see can can they develop him at this point. But you know, you got to keep those guys involved and see what you got there. But, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm trusting my personnel department. I'm doing what I can to, you know, bring in a right guard to get, you know, a right, ta- you know, get a swing tackle that you don't want to be caught mm-hmm. with your pants down again. If Andrew Thomas gets hurt on special team, Andrew Thomas should never play another special no. team no. ever again. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think – you know, I think, yeah, I, I think if they're going to invest, you know, you lean on Carmen Brasillo a little bit as an offensive yeah. line coach. What does he want? Please he, be good. He he, has to be. Exactly. Please be that guy. You don't know. I mean, look, yeah. you know, is he Hal Hunter? You know, <laughs> God, you hope not. I mean, <sighs> you know, he, they brought back Pat Flaherty as, an as you know, a consultant. Even yeah. Pat couldn't sprinkle the – the magic of 07 yeah. and 11 back on the offensive line. So um, we'll see. Uh, it's, I, I definitely think they can't ignore the offensive line. I don't believe they'll ignore it, but they didn't ignore the offensive line in the last two years. What right. they did is they, they drafted guys and said, we're going to develop it. We're going to draft and develop. And you had no foundation behind them. And then Andrew yeah. gets hurt. And all of a sudden you're moving Josh Zudu to left tackle 
Tyree yeah. Phillips was on, wasn't on the roster. Somehow he's on the practice squad in Philly. You know, why, why did you not have him here? Uh, there are a lot of questions that were made last year, and ultimately Bobby Johnson becomes the fall guy. But now they need to answer those questions going into this season. Yeah, at some point you 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 hire the coach to develop. At some point he's you got to trust that he's going to develop somebody. McKeithen, yeah. Zudu, Neil, somebody has to develop out of those three. But yep. we'll see. But we'll Art, see. I don't know. E, what do you what do you think, man? We we've kept Art way man, too long. Man, we kept Art so way too guy. long. Art was supposed to only be here for thirty minutes, guys. But he was like, "Go, go nuts!" And we want nuts for Art. Stay. We, we kind of went Art. Nuts. Thank you so much for being on the show, my brother. If you can, just hang out backstage while we wrap up because we want to thank you behind the scenes as well. But um, I just want to thank you so much, guys. If you don't know who Mr. Art Stapleton is, you've been living under a rock, man. It's the Giants Beat Reporter. Man, go hit that follow button. Go subscribe. Do whatever you got to do, man. And and please, Art, please plug the uh, podcast that you have going on as well. Yes. Thank you. All in in with Art Stapleton. You can find it everywhere you find the revival, I'm sure. Uh, You know, you can go on – YouTube, we've been doing a lot of videos. We're going to incorporate some video into this year best we can. We want to do more Q&A. Uh, the one that landed today was, uh, to me, it was an awesome interview. Had Dane Brugler from uh, The yes. Athletic. Puts, yeah. out, puts out the best Great draft job. guide in the business, The Beast. He was, mm. he was awesome. Everything you need to know about the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, uh, what he would do if he was Joe Shane. Uh, so, Make sure you check that out and check it out on YouTube too. We're trying to get those numbers up and NorthJersey.com yeah. is where we work. Not NJ.com. No disrespect to my colleagues. It's NorthJersey.com and, right. and the record mm-hmm. and uh, art underscore Stapleton everywhere on social media where I'm way too on way too often. <laughs> we love you, you so much man. You, man we we appreciate you art thank you so much hang out a little bit and, and we'll wrap this up and uh we get everybody going thank you so much for stopping awesome, by we do appreciate you have a great night have a good night brother. thank you brother Feel like rat. What a- Oh, hey, how, did you, how did you do that? Whoa, how did you do that? I said, I said, wait. I said, hold on now. We got to wrap it up. Now. Hey. All right. Yeah, let's, leave, let's leave Art back there for a second. We'll go to Art in a second. But, guys, what a show. Uh, we want to thank everybody in the chat. Shout out to you, the Revivalists. Before this is done, please hit that thumbs up button so the notifications can get out to all the subscribers and then some. I think this was very informative. So, you know, it's be some good stuff, man. Some good content that people will have, man, especially mm. going off season. It's going to be fire, man. But shout out to Art Stapleton, man. What do you guys think, man? The best. The best. I mean, what great insight, man. I mean, he's he's in the building. He knows these people, the ins and outs. I mean, it's just awesome to pick his brain. So good times. And arts arts open as hell about everything. So that's why we love him. Like he 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 doesn't hold back. He's he's you know he he was honest about everything. Even if and, even uh, if he's on a giant payroll, right, guys? That's like, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he got the Venmo right in the middle of the show. He got the Venmo right in the middle. You got an honest man about it. Best of all, he's got a sense of humor, right? You, you could tell yes. him if he supports the Giants, you know he's on the payroll. That's just Absolutely. hands out. <laughs> and he has a great sense of humor, man. That's a good one, man. But like I said, man, yeah. shout out to you, the revivalist, man. And uh, listen, man, on behalf of my brother, man, Mr. Glass half full of nets. Speed, if you nasty. Let's now. go. I can't even do the thing no more. I got to figure out something else. Here. Killing. The mic's in the way. You, you, you got a new mic. You got a new mic. By the way, how good does Eli sound tonight? Oh, I got to upgrade for you guys. Man. Damn, you, guys got, you guys got yelling at me. I had to upgrade this whole system. So well I do done. appreciate you guys, man. We working here. I'm trying to level up. But, you know, on behalf of my brother, of course, El Jefe, a.k.a. White Jersey, a.k.a. Blue Jersey, a.k.a. Damn it, Daniel. We do appreciate y'all. This is your boy, Eli Rax, a.k.a. Vibes. We'll see you on the next one. Peace and blessings. Feel like rest.
El Jefe, Mr. Glass Half Full, the revival.